Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast, episode 33. Um, hope you're well and a Merry Christmas to everyone. This is being recorded on Boxing Day 2019. And uh, yeah, this is episode 33. I had intended to do a few more of these before the end of the year, but uh, things have been far too busy um, in my life, so I've not really got around to it. But uh, yeah, I'm planning on on contacting quite a few guys uh, and girls who I wanted to podcast with um, this year. Well, I didn't get quite get around to it. Um, one that I'm, well, there's two that I'm definitely like very interested in getting on. This, uh, I want to get uh, Alex back on from um, Team Metal uh, Athletics. We need to do a part two to the one that we started. Um, so that'll be good. I know people have been asking for that, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, so that'd be good. I want to get Chris uh, Chainsaw on. Uh, also, uh, a fellow called Michael O'Keefe, uh, Chief O'Keefe on Chief O'Keefe One on Instagram. He seems kind of cool, and um, he's uh, he's quite interesting because he's he's quite a tall bodybuilder, six foot five. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to get him on. Um, and there's a couple of local guys as well. So yeah, I've got a few a few things in the pipeline for for next year, but I'll put out some feelers for that probably in January. But anyway, what I thought I'd do is end the year. It's kind of appropriate to end the year in this way. I wanted to do a recap of my last 18 months and what I've been doing since, uh, I say 18 months, but you know, basically since my last competition, which was uh, like 15, I'd say 15 months ago. Um, <clears throat> so that was September 2018. Yeah. Uh, so I've had a pretty long off season. Um, and I want to just talk a little bit about how that's gone because from January, we're kind of entering into what is not really the prep because it's far too early for um, September competition, but kind of like a pre-prep, which uh, I'll talk you through. Um, so just kind of loosely in terms of the last 18 months, I'm pretty sure the last 18 months have gone, have gone pretty well, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, training's been good. Um, I'm going to go into some specifics about body weight and training and all that kind of stuff. But in general, I'd say it's been a pretty productive, you know, off season. I'd say there's definitely things which have done wrong lessons I've learned. Um, but the proof is going to be in the pudding, I guess on stage. So we'll see how much lean tissue I've put on. That's, that's a big question mark as well. So we'll see how we get on. So anyway, um, firstly, let's look at body weight progression. So I competed at 80 kilos and that was in men's physique. Um, that 80 kilos, I'm pretty sure my legs were down in muscle on that because, uh, I was doing a hell of a lot of cardio towards the end and my calories were really low. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure I was quite catabolic. Um, and the training just wasn't really as good as it should have been. Training should have been a lot better. Um, I, I adopted kind of a system of training, which was, it, which was coming from my, from my coach, uh, Chester. Um, and it works really well for him and for people he trains and coaches. Um, and it's a good style of training. I just, I couldn't really fit me. I think being under uh, competition prep stress, I don't think I was, I don't think I'd mastered the system quite as much as I needed to to have made it work in that kind of setting. Cause when you're in a contest prep setting, for those of you who've competed, it's not like just getting leave the beach. Like it's, 
you know, it's, it's a lot worse than that. It's, it's hard. It's difficult to describe unless you've been through it yourself, but it's not like just getting ready for the beach. It's, um, to get on stage is a certain level of conditioning, which is, which is pretty brutal on the body. And to do that, a lot of what you need during prep is regularity and familiarity. And to that end, using a kind of a new training style, I think it didn't lend itself to me working quite as hard as I needed to on it. And some days I was kind of just going through the motions without really any numbers to hit. Um, and if you're used to that kind of training, you know, it works. But uh, I think for me, it wasn't really, wasn't really a thing that I wanted to do. So certainly not a thing that I wanted, I want to do next time. So that was, that was, I think I, my legs were probably down in size. So I was like 80 kilos on stage. I think I could have been leaner. Um, I'm not sure where I put my body fat, but it's, it's going to have to be leaner this time around. Like I was in good shape, um, good clean lines and all that kind of stuff. But I think I could have bought my waist in tighter. Uh, and that's kind of what I plan to do this next time. Uh, but I was coming from a very, very fat place. <laughs> so what I did with my midsection transformation was, was pretty cool anyway. So I'm not, um, I'm not really upset about that, but just kind of going off body weight because it will give me an idea of where I want to be on stage. Yeah. So that was a, that was a 80 kilos. I wouldn't say insanely shredded. It was, it was a decent 80. So since then <clears throat> I had a recovery phase, had a bulk phase. First bulk phase, I went up to about uh, 92, 93 kilos, which was pretty good. Uh, then I did a bit of a mini cut, got back down to about 88. Um, then rebounded to about 95, which is the highest I've been. Um, and that rebound was probably, I'd say like about halfway through this whole thing. Then I did a very big cut where I got down to an average of about 85 kilos. So I'm kind of bouncing around this, this area. And I went back up. And recently, uh, this time, the highest I hit was 92. Uh, yeah, 92, I believe. Yeah, just looking at my note. No, 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 it wasn't. Most I hit this time was 94, 94.1. So yeah, hit 94, 95 a couple of times during the last sort of 13 months. Been down as low as 85, 86, 87. So kind of like bounced around that range. Um, so currently sat at about 92 kilos in the morning. Now, feeling pretty lean, but it's, it's always tough to say. I would say I'm sitting at a pretty wet 92. Um, and I was a very, very dry 80. So on stage. So assuming I've put on, let's be, Let's be kind of very harsh about it. And let's say I've put on, I don't know, 10 pounds of muscle, which I think is maybe reasonable, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fair bit bigger. Legs, also bear in mind, legs were down as well. So let's say I keep my leg mass. So we're going to say, say five kilos. Now we might say two, three kilos of that will be eaten up with better conditioning. So it looks like I, de I, would, I wouldn't be horrendously disappointed if I hit stage 82. That would be pretty sweet, um, but we'll have to see. You know, the bo the body fat thing will, might might throw something into works. But what that does mean is I probably only have about ten kilos to lose. So in American money, that's uh, about twenty two pounds, and that's not a horrendous prep, really. Um, so the question is, you know, why didn't I go higher in body weight? I just got stuck every time. Um, I do remember my condition at ninety four, ninety five, already the first time much earlier in the year, and it was much, much worse than my recent hit at 95, 94, 95. I looked a lot better this time at 94, 95, a lot better. So I've definitely gained muscle, and that 95 was a, was a much better 95 this time around. 
but yeah, I just run into problems every time uh, I get up to about that weight. So it's about two ten pounds, which I know doesn't sound a lot, but on my frame, that's that's a fair bit. Um, about about five ten, I'd say, and, and um, I've got a very very light bone structure. Um, so for anyone who's met me, they'll they'll know, you know, uh, my 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 look doesn't really represent my body weight that well. So, uh, but that, that's a good thing. But so anyway, two ten uh, pounds or. 95 kilos that's quite a lot of weight on me so i've not been able to go past that um you know at some point hopefully i'd like to but uh it just seems to it always seems to cause problems so what happened this time was just ran into a wall with with food digestion it was basically a couple of weeks ago a couple of weekends ago i um i got to the point where i was i was pretty much nauseous with every single meal <laughs> which, which really sucked um, so whatever I ate, I just, I just became nauseous. Um, I never really vomited, uh, but whatever I ate, it just, it just had me feeling nauseous. So was, I wasn't feeling so good in general. I felt pretty good. Like health markers were all, were all great. Um, so there wasn't really a health problem cause I was, I was taking care of you know, health and considering I'm getting up this high in body weight, I was taking care of health quite well, eating lots of my fruits, veggies, doing all the things I need to do, you know, taking all whatever supplements I need. So um, that was that was you know pretty good. Um, so, it was, but it was literally just a case of food, and and trying to force down that amount of food. And my original plan was to carry on walking and hit 100 kilos, but um, I don't know if it's going to be in the works. Unfortunately, maybe something for us for the next off season. We'll see how it goes. So anyway, that was the body weight progression. Sort of competed at 80, 80 originally, went up to about 95, went back down to 85, went back up to about 95, and now currently at about 92. And that's kind of where we've been. It's been a pretty long kind of journey over the last, you know, as I say, about 15 months or so. Um, <clears throat> now, in terms of training progression, I think training, yeah, I think training has been up and down as well. I'd say after the first three, four months of training post-competition were amazing, which were, were fantastic. I uh, hooked up with my training partner, Jack, and um, we were just smashing it in the gym. It was, it was awesome. Then what kind of sucked is that gym closed. Um, and I had to move to another gym, which was closer. Um, but it was just, it was just shit. It was, I don't know. I guess if you're listening from the States, it'd be like a Planet Fitness or something. That's one of those kind of gyms. The, the gyms in America and the gyms in England are a little bit different from my understanding from talking to my American friends. It's like, I, from what I can tell, all big commercial gyms over there tend to have pretty decent kit. Like they'll have all your basic machines, all that kind of stuff. You guys don't really get specialized bodybuilding gyms, or they're very rare. Like you get in like Metroflex, you know, where Ronnie used to work out. But in general, most of you guys will work out work out at commercial gyms. It's kind of different over here in in England. Our commercial gyms are just really, really dog shit. Like they're they're mostly catered towards uh, functional stuff, or um, or uh, yeah, functional or just like really shitty machines, like real shit generic machines, and very few of them as well because they're limited in space. They're not these, they're not like these massive centers. Um, so what we tend to have is we tend to have usually usually one specialized bodybuilding gym per city. Um, unfortunately for me, that was the one that closed was that bodybuilding gym. Um, so I had a period of probably. I know it was a good, it's a good year, pretty much, where it was really hard to get into the swing of things, and I don't think I made as good progress as I would have been 
had I had specialized training equipment, particularly in the legs, because the, the legs equipment in that gym really lacked. So it wasn't great. I mean, I got into my rhythm after a while. Um, and that was just me adapting to the training. I had to basically use a lot more machines. Uh, I had to use a lot more volume to make up for the fact that there wasn't really the heavy weights around. There wasn't really the well-made machines. Um, so that, that was a real shame. Um, and it did, it did kind of put a hamper on, on my plans. I had planned to stay at the old gym and just carry on training there and getting stronger and everything. But uh, yeah, it's a big shame that didn't, didn't really happen. But in any case, new gym now, and that's been going really, really well. Very pleased to be training there. And uh, that's all going pretty good. So yeah, in terms of training progression, I think you know things have been progressing pretty well. Certainly in the weaker areas, like hamstrings, biceps, they've come up quite a lot. Um, and everything else seems to, yeah, just seems to be bigger overall, from what I can tell. But we'll see. We'll see more about that when I when I lean down. So yeah, it's been pretty interesting in terms of training. <clears throat> In terms of what I've changed about training, I covered those a little bit in my in my old other podcast uh, recently, and I've been working with a lot more machine-based stuff, um, higher reps in general. Uh, I still pretty much the training system that I keep going back to is my own kind of version of a medium to high volume, waving volume approach. I think for me that works a lot better than anything which is too high intensity, too low volume, and too much failure work. For me, that kind of stuff, it can peak you quite well. Your strength goes up particularly well, but it's not actually that conducive towards muscle growth. That was my issue that I had with that. I don't think, I think progressive overload is going to happen. Like it's, it's always a consequence, but there are certain styles of training which support, there's certain styles of training which, which differentiate from each other. So people call like the JP style of training and the Dorian Yates style of training, progressive overload style of training. Um, and that's because there's this massive emphasis on the logbook. And that's fine. Like, I get that. But most other styles of training will have forms of progressive overload. Now, JP style of training, what that really should be de deemed as is low volume, high intensity training. It shouldn't really refer to a progressive overload type of training because progressive overload is the, progressive overload is the consequence of that training. It's not, it's not what you do week in, week out. Like you're able to add weight to the bar. You're able to get more reps because your training went well last week, last session, and your food has been good. Like, do you, do you see, there's a, there's a difference there. There's a conceptual difference there. If I, if I, I'm training with higher volumes, not high volume, but certainly higher volumes, more like 14 to 16 sets per body part, something like that. I'm training with higher volumes. I'm training with slightly less intensity. So I'm probably holding one or two back in the tank, but I'm still applying progressive overload. So, I've still got as much right if I wanted to, to call that progressive overload approach. It's not. It's not what people typically refer to as. So this is kind of what I'm saying. It's like progressive overload is always going to happen if your training is working. Now, even even Chester would admit that. My coach, his style of training is completely different. It's all mostly all pumping and turning, or at least it used to be. And he built a very, very good physique on that. But even he has admitted in the past that if you do things right, you will get stronger. So you, it's, again, it's still a progressive overload style system. So my problem with a lot of the high intensity advocates, um, low volume high intensity advocates is it becomes all they have. And what I mean by that is the execution kind of goes out the window. The focus on the muscles goes out the window. I mean, I've heard JP say himself, it's like, you know, what did, what did Dorian Yates do? Dorian Yates did squeeze and contract he just lifted fucking heavy weight. But that's not true, though. Like, you've seen blood and guts. He did squeeze 
he did pause. He did contract. If you look at Dorian Yates doing rows on the machine, every single one, his entire shoulder structure was kind of pulled back and he paused in that position. You see him doing chest presses on a machine. Every single one was locked out to full. His chest pec muscles were, were contracted uh, hard. So he did do all that. So I don't know. I don't really understand. I never really understood when JP kind of said that because a lot of people kind of getting behind him go, yeah, yeah, it's all about lift, shifting heavy weight, progressive overload. That's the key. It's like, yeah, it is. But it's, it's people are viewing it completely wrong. It's like it's not. It's not exclusively a low volume. It's not exclusively a progressive overload approach. Progressive overload is the consequence of what happens when you get bigger and stronger. You can add more weight to the bar. The style of training is what determines whether the training's, you know, the style of training is what determines what it should be called and, um, and, and also maybe partially whether it's effective or not. So this is one of the reasons why I find the low volume approach to be very, very good at getting strong. And that's always been my problem with it. And it's, not a problem for most people because most people are not very strong. So they do the progressive overload approach. They see in their logbook, they're gaining two and a half kilos per session. They're getting stronger, they're getting stronger, they're getting stronger. But these are guys who are going from say an 80 kilo bench to 120 kilo bench. Like you're not hurting yourself at that point, you know? And, and it's debatable whether you, you have any right to even talk about whether things work or not at that point. Anything's going to work at that point if you train hard. So what I dislike about it, that system, we've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. Um, what I dislike about that system is this, it's the focus on progressive overload, and that's the only focus there is a lot of the times. There's very little focus on execution. People always talk about it. Like you hear them talk about it in like the UK podcast and all that kind of stuff. And then you see them lift. <laughs> it's like, it's, you're walking a walk, but you're not. You're talking a talk, but you're not walking a walk. It's not. It doesn't make sense. Um, and I see that a lot with with a lot of these guys who do the low volume approach. Like it's simple. It's simple. It's somewhat effective. But I think at the the bigger stages, you're you're opening yourself up to risks, which you don't need to. And I think at that stage, that's when there's you may well want to look for alternatives. It obviously works. The approach, you know, works. But my point is more that. There are a couple of things that can go wrong, I think, at the advanced stages. The first thing is injuries. Because if I'm if I'm progressing overloading stuff and I'm going and then I'm basically going I'm going pretty fucking heavy. Like the kind of heavy that is gonna hurt me if I if I put a step wrong. Or even if I don't put a step wrong. Um, I can mitigate that by using higher reps, I can mitigate that by being on machines. If I don't mitigate, you know, but this is the thing, it's an approach where you have to mitigate things to get it to work. So if I wanted to do, so I'm going to have to basically move away from barbell exercises and move away from low reps. What if I wanted to do barbell exercises? You know, then my style of training would be better because I can actually use barbells. I can use free weights. I think a, I think a basic pull-up is always going to be more effective than a pull-down for, for a variety of reasons. And I can then put into play those pull-downs because I'm not doing them weighted for set six which is just going to eventually tear my fucking tricep or my upper lat off the bone. And then I'm fucked. So I've more and more, I've come to kind of move away from the, the low volume, high intensity approach. Cause I think every single time I've seen it applied and I've seen it applied a lot of times over the years, I'm old enough to have seen the original incantation of what Dorian did and Dorian didn't get away with it. And that's Dorian. 
Dorian was perhaps one of the most massive men on the planet at, at one stage. He didn't get away with it. He tore his bicep, he tore his tricep, he tore God knows what else. Um, and these are all guys who did that low volume, high intensity approach where you've got to get that one more rep, you've got to get X, Y, you've got to get Y, you've got to get Z. And there's a massive focus on shifting weight because that's all there is because you don't have a great deal else. You don't have sets to do. You don't have higher amounts of reps to do. You don't have all that. All you've got is one or two sets and you've got a poundage to beat. And I think that very much lends itself, maybe not even to sloppy form, you know, but to losing other muscles to focus in on the area. And I think that's what you need to be avoiding when you're doing, when you're doing your training because you can get very, very strong doing that. But that's not what we're there for. We're there, to, we're there to build muscle. We're not always there to build strength. And I'm sorry, but like if somebody is telling you, well, that's the same thing, it's fucking not. And like, I see these guys who are in the gym and they're doing this kind of approach and they're not very fucking strong. And that's why they're able to do it because they're just not strong. You, you can get away with all kinds of stuff if you're still not benching three plates aside. You can get away with all kinds of stuff if you're still, any, if you're still not squatting four plates aside. You can do whatever you like. You can do whatever crazy, stupid protocol you like. And you can say it's work. it works for you because it probably will. But it doesn't mean that it's the best approach. I think the ones it does work for, they tend to be very robust and kind of like Dorian. And you can see it. And then I think, so that, that's, that's the one thing where I think there's a consequence is the injury potential. The other thing I think there is is, is with lag, lagging body parts. Um, we've seen that with JP himself. We saw it with Dorian. What am I talking about? What's what? What are the similarities with Dorian and JP? It's the extremities, right? It's the arms, arms, delts. Pretty much without fail, every single time in that sense, you're going to need to have extra volume. You're going to need to lighten up the load. You're going to need to focus in on the muscle. And people say that's fine for the arms, but people don't want to do that then for the chest and the back. Why not? Doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you not do that for them for the chest and back? Because they're bigger body parts and need more weight. Yeah, to, to a certain extent. But, you know, we're talking appropriate. So you're going to do a barbell kill, but done correctly with higher amounts of volume. This is a barbell row, done correctly with higher amounts of volume. Makes sense. But no, we have the situation now where you've got these kind of low volume advocates saying, we're going to do um, high volume, moderate weight with the arms, but we're going to do really, really low volume, high intensity with back. Doesn't make sense. So, I think the only reason, again, it's the only reason you can get away with it is because you can eke out more poundage on back movement, so it gives the impression of making progress. Um, and then, and then you can use more body English to be able to just carry on increasing numbers. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the best idea. I think, I think the best idea is perfect execution for every single muscle group, higher volumes, and waving volumes works very, very well. I don't, I really don't like this this whole idea of um I just, I just don't like the low volume stuff i think it's uh i think every single time i've done it it's landed me in trouble because i'm i'm a unique example where i'm pretty strong and my body wants to be strong but i'm also quite old so i can speak from the more extreme end which where a lot of people can't speak from which is Having got to the point where I've used progressive overload over the years to get to the point where I'm strong, a lot of people are still doing that. And I think ultimately they're probably going to be disappointed with their size in comparison to the strength, unless, you know, there's some kind of genetic freak with a massively huge bone structure. 
um, or they're just you know beginner to intermediates, and at that stage, mostly anything will work. So, yeah. Anyway, that was like a huge, huge, huge um, segue about training. Um, but I wanted to kind of get off my chest. I, I still very much don't agree with the with the low volume approach, and I've tried to come at it from a few different angles. I tried it recently again, um, and it was the same thing. Strength massively accelerates upwards, um, but I, I just don't get I just don't get the same longevity from it. It seems to be more of a peaking protocol, like you would for powerlifting. Um, so people get quite impressed with that. Like, oh, look, my strength's going up, and it gives us something to aim for. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not uh, not a fan of it. So, yeah, some thoughts on training there. Um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about diet. Um, when I first started prep, <laughs> this is a funny story, actually. When I first started prep, I contacted uh, Chester. So this would have been early September, early 2018. It's probably like February or something like that. And I said, look, I want to start prep. I want to start it. Um, <laughs> I want to start prep and I want to start, I want to do a four-month prep. I said, I want to do a 16-week 16, 16 prep. And he said to me, <laughs> he said, I'll do, I'll do your 20-week prep because <laughs> you need it. Just, just take the 20-week prep. Take the extra month for free. <laughs> and... Um, I was like, great. <laughs> so I just, it just made me laugh thinking about it, thinking back to it. Because I'm coming to him with a, with a 60-week plan. And he's, basically, he's basically thinking in his head, this fat shit is never going to be ready <laughs> in, in four months. So he gives me an extra a month for free. And then on top of that, um, he said, listen, trim down a little bit before we start. So uh, that'll, give you, that'll give you an idea of, of, uh, of how, how bad the shape was at the time. I would bear in mind, I was like retired powerlifter, you know, I've never done any bodybuilding before for about three or four years. So yeah, so it ended up actually being like a 20, 24 week prep or something like that. So I slimmed down a little bit prior, came to him, kind of a probably similar, similar body weight to where I am now. Obviously looked a lot worse, I'm in much better shape right now. So I probably came to about 90, 1992, I think. And I did a fairly, harsh diet to get down from where i was before which is 96 kilos i was actually right the way up there but it was a really really soft 96 kilos like i couldn't even i couldn't even get that soft now like at this point i've just got too much muscle on my frame but it was a really really shitty soft 96 um and i dieted down and what anyway my point is one of the first things he said to me was he said we want to focus on a phrase that he used and it was dietary discipline and i that always stuck with me I actually use that with with some of my with my own clients as well um, now, but that was something that always stood by me because that concept wasn't really something that I thought about previously, and it was a concept which it made more sense to me the further along I got. So he would provide me with him and his, his missus would provide me with macros every week, and it was then that I firstly started to consider the concept of of really meal prepping every single meal. The day prior to that, I'd done some meal prep, you know. Um, but this was when I really needed to be tight on macros. I need to be tight on electrolytes. Sodium, potassium were also counted as well. So these were all things that were, um, that I would say they're new to me, but they, the severity and the, the detailed nature of doing these in that manner, seven days a week, every single meal, that was quite new to me. I'd say it's very new to me. And so that really kind of, 
that prep period that we did for five months that really drilled this uh, this this home and uh, I was in a really good spot towards the end towards, even towards the middle towards the end because I had my meals I was prepping them I was eating them and they were frequent meals as well so I had gotten to the point where I was eating five meals a day and uh, you don't really ever get hungry when you're eating five meals a day I don't know if you guys have ever tried that I know this is something I kind of want to talk about a little bit now is some of my own personal thoughts on if it fits your macros versus um, if it's macros versus uh, like uh, a more bro style approach. So over the course of that prep, I basically became very, very bro. So I was having meals which were like rice or potatoes with lean beef, chicken with serving of vegetables. And that was pretty much it. Like three days, my, my loose diet was this. So it was in the morning. I had this, um, kind of like porridge whey infused porridge it's from bulk powders they call it their like breakfast porridge or something i have that with skim milk warmed it up it tastes good it was butterscotch really sweet that was a good way to start my day so i had that and then during the course of the day i had three meals so they were all pretty similar they were like i said usually potatoes um some kind of lean meat some vegetables and i would usually have a little bit of jam with my potatoes just just for the sweetness and that was three times. They used to be a little bit varied, so some of it would be turkey, some of it might be rice, but you know, you get the idea. And then there was an evening meal, well, pre-bed meal, which would usually be a casein meal. And that was kind of like, uh, it's like a casein pudding sometimes, so just one scoop or two scoops of casein mixed with a little bit of water and some, from some fruit, or just you know, something like that, depending on my macros for the day. And so I was eating every three hours, uh, and it was something like, I think it was like nine, 12 369 something like that so not quite from the moment i woke up um it wasn't it was, sorry it wasn't nine it would have been 12 because i was fasted all the morning morning i was doing fasted cardio and all that kind of stuff so it's like 12 3 6 9 and then another meal in between that as well so like five meals all together um i can't remember when i was doing the breakfast because it wouldn't have been it would have been on the days that i weren't doing yeah, the breakfast was only on, that's, I remember remembering it now. The breakfast was only on the weekends because of days I wasn't fasting, but I was pretty much fasting the whole time, pretty much every single day. That breakfast, maybe it would come about later after the prep, I can't remember. But yeah, I pretty much did fasted cardio right the way through the prep. Um, and so that meant my first meal was about roughly about one o'clock. But anyway, going back to, going back to the dietary discipline theme. So that was one of the first times that I... I kind of put into play this idea of dietary discipline and I, I was having all these meals at a regular interval and that really, really helped my hunger. As I say, you don't really get hungry when you're eating so often. I think there's probably a case to be made that if we consider, if we consider hunger to be like a linear curve from your feeding, there's probably a case to be made that after you've fed, your hunger dips and then it rises slowly so it probably dips quite dramatically and then it rises slowly um and i think whether you've had, whether if you've had like a 500 calorie meal or a thousand calorie meal or a 1500 calorie meal it probably dips to a the initial dip is probably quite extreme for all three and then i think depending on the size of the meal that dip remains low if it's a very big meal with particular macros or it starts to move up quite high so i think you get a lot from that initial bolus of food so therefore, eating frequently tends to make quite a lot of sense because you're constantly getting that big dip. 
at least this was my theory because I, I felt towards the end, um, I, I was, I could, I could stay on an even level, particularly a blood sugar level, you know, with having these frequent meals. And I remember thinking to myself, this is such a, for me personally, this is such an easy formula. And because that's the truest test of if a diet works or not is can you sustain the diet when you're very lean? Like, Maybe maybe this is a little bit controversial, but if somebody like somebody comes up to me, like a like a, a guy who's like fucking thirty to forty percent body fat, like a girl who's like forty to fifty percent body fat, and said they did a diet and they lost ten pounds, and said that that diet worked. Like, I'm happy for them, but I'm sorry that's that's not a, you can't you're not in a position to say whether the diet fucking worked or not. At that point, you're that fat, like anything's gonna work. So, you know, it's, it's maybe that's a bit of a controversial point, but I think the greatest tell of whether a diet actually works for you, as in is it suits you, is it going to be good long-term, is it a strategy you can use, is does it actually work when you're very, very fucking lean? Um, so some kind of strategy which works when you're very lean, I think that's ultimately going to give you, it's, it's ultimately a, a better idea of what works for you. So anyway... I I thought at the time I found a pretty good formula here. So whenever I need to switch on prep again, flick the switch, go into prep mode, eat really frequently, and I'm good. And um, that is pretty much what I'm going to be testing out fairly soon. So I'm, I was I've been formulating my own sort of prep approach. I'm probably not decided yet. I'm considering prepping myself uh, this time, just because I kind of want the experience of it as a, as a coach. Um, and that's no, you know, no, absolutely no slight on my old, my uh, my old coach Chester and, and adding pins. Um, if I was to ever hire a coach again, it would definitely be them. Like, there's no, there's no other coaches who I would ever consider to be like ever for any part of my, you know, whatever. If 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 things go well with this first competition and I want to coach for the nationals, I'll be going to them. If I want to coach next year, I'll be going to them. Like, there's there's you know, it's there. They were absolutely wonderful in my prep, so I'm never going to shy away from them. Assuming I have a coach, but this time I think I'm actually going to self prep. So I've been looking at formulating my own approach, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of thinking I'm going to do the same. Um, the only thing I'm going to avoid this time is fasting in the morning because I won't have time to do fasted cardio, which is a shame because I think it would be cool. Um, I'm actually going to make this a very bro style prep where I'm going to have regular feedings. I'm probably going to have first feeding at about seven in the morning and I'm probably going to have six meals a day, including like, when I say feeding, I mean like that's what would be a protein shake, maybe a piece of fruit. So I'm probably going to have six meals a day, um, scheduled regularly throughout the day, something like seven in the morning, nine, 12, seven, nine, 12, three, six, nine. Yeah. Six meals. Four of those big meals, probably two of those being snacks, maybe more like shake and fruit based um more than likely implements some cardio whatever i have time for and then yeah see see what that kind of approach gets me um i've kind of loosely figured it out and i've figured out a fairly easy going skeleton diet uh which i can stick to um and i'm more than likely going to even attempt to do this is completely going against the sort of the science-based approach, but I'm kind of, I kind of want this prep to be a little bit bro. Um, 
and I'm probably gonna instigate some kind of like a weekly or bi-weekly cheat meal. So be super strict for the majority of the week, do some kind of cheat meal uh, on a Friday or a Saturday where I have a chance to like eat normally with family. Um, and that's more than likely gonna be, yeah, what the, the approach I take. So keeping it very old school, um, very high carb, very low fat, most of the meals with some kind of combination of chicken, rice, vegetables, something like that. Uh, potatoes or very, very lean beef, turkey perhaps, something like that. Um, keeping it very, very bro. Uh, and then kind of see, see where that gets me. I think ultimately the, I don't mind experimenting with kind of like a more of a bro style because I know at the end of the day, it's just a caloric restriction. So if you can do that, you're good to go. But in terms of implementing that caloric restriction, I want to do it in a much more structured bro way than, than previously, where I've started off with more like if it's your macros type of approach. I don't really want to be thinking about my food during a diet. I think that's one of the worst things. And if you look at what consistently fucks a diet, it's always appetite. It's always you get hungry. Like we can, what, yeah, especially true for a contest prep, you can always push yourself through one more training session. You can always push yourself through more cardio, like always. You can will yourself through it. But when you get hungry and that hungry feeling gnaws away at you all day, that's what sucks. And I think most people would agree. Like you can control cravings. Like I cannot have that cookie. I cannot have those sweets. But actual deep-seated hunger, that's different. Like gnaw your arm off type of hunger, that's different. And I think if you can push that to one side so you can stay fed during the majority of the day, um, that should certainly make the diet a bit more bearable ultimately long term and that's that's really the only area i think for the most part that's once you've got like macros and all that kind of stuff out of the way that's the thing that most people need to pay attention to what are my breakpoints during the course of the day like where am i going to junk out and for most people they're not going to junk out at work like they're not going to junk out during the day um they're probably going to junk out before bed and they're probably going to junk out on the weekends and that's kind of true for most people so do we have strategies to put into place which are going to mean that we're not as junky at those times and i think being very very well fed throughout the day is probably probably something to consider perhaps having your last meal or something sweet just to consider perhaps having your last meal something a bit bigger is to consider um eating a little bit lighter but still getting the food in early in the day like having a protein shake for first thing rather than a meal is probably a reasonable way to go but anyway, this is, that's kind of the approach I want to take. And I'm going to trial that from, I think, yeah, I'm going to trial that kind of loosely from about the 2nd of January for about six weeks. So that'll take me to about mid-Feb. And um, assuming my body weight stays at about 92, that should see me at about 85 kilos, I imagine. And that'll be 85 really before I need any kind of diet break. and. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited, actually. I think that should be kind of cool. At 85, that will give me a very, very good indication of where I am <clears throat> in terms of how close I am, am I going to be to contest shape, what contest shape am I going to be in. And that's still going to give me plenty of time to carry on growing for September, but just being a little bit leaner. Potentially taking advantage of the rebound, or maybe not, as long as I'm not too hungry. Um, but that's, that's kind of going to be the idea. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but that is that is basically training, and that's kind of how my last year's gone. Yeah, it's kind of how my last year's gone. My body weight, thoughts on training, 
kind of delved into a whole bunch of things. I'm not really sure if I'm going to timestamp this one or not. I probably won't because <laughs> it's a bit of a mash of things. But if you have managed to stick with this, then thank you very much. And um, yeah, I will see you all next year for more podcasts. If you guys got any suggestions on what um, to cover, if you guys got any questions, if any of you want to be on the podcast, then do please ask and I will consider it. Um, there's definitely people I've got in mind, as I say, but if you're sat there, you feel like you've got something to offer, um, doesn't have to be bodybuilding related. We've had people talk about um, eating disorders on the show, where people talk about psychological issues. I'm, I'm quite happy to give a platform for, for what, <laughs> even, even at a, even at one whole podcast dedicated to drama. So <laughs> quite a few people talk about whatever, as long as I find them interesting and, you know, and I feel like they've got something to offer. Um, they've been, they've been one or two who I have had to, yeah, I've had to say no to one in particular who I just didn't think really offered much um, to the show. And I think was, was really just learning himself. Um, so I, de- I, yeah, I try and get on people who I think have got a lot to offer, who I think, you know, might not necessarily agree with what I say, but I think they've got a lot to offer and they've had enough experience to be able to live through these things rather than just talk through other people. Right, folks, call it there. Speak to everyone soon. And Merry Christmas again and Happy New Year.